Oh no. Sorry guys, this is the end of horror movie survival. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> a creepy uncle and a cute boy killer have come to take us away and you will never see us again. Oh um, sorry, I got in the car. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the final girl. Hello there, Disco Citizens. Welcome to another fabulous week of Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Terry, and we have... Julia, this week we are talking about 1996's Scream. Title of this episode is Everybody's a Suspect. Tagline for this movie, someone has taken their love of scary movies too far. Accurate? It's good? Intriguing? It's true. Uh, So this movie was written by Kevin Williamson and directed by our friend and love and amazing genius Wes Craven. Uh, So, of course, this movie is uh, incredibly iconic. Terry and I have seen it both uh, lots of times. (laughs) Um, And, and, you know, this is one of the things I think that really influenced Marion and I to start this. You know, like we were on the Randy train. And we were like, yes, Randy has the right idea, right? You just like you just watch enough movies and then you're prepped. You're good to go. This is so kind of it, the genesis for horror movie survival guide. This is like yeah. part of the lore is scream as part of that. That makes sense. But then I, you know, and then once we got to final exam and then he's like radish is like the proto Randy. And then I was like, oh, well, then there you go. So like it kind of goes back further. So Randy before uh, Randy. Yeah. Randy before Randy. So uh, I have so much alternate universe casting for you. I'm going to kind of breeze through them, but you can you can definitely give me your thoughts on any of them stick out. Give them Let's, to me. Okay, let Keep us start. Me, baby. I'm sorry, other Matthew <laughs> Lillard movie. Uh, <laughs> the M. Night so, Shyamalan one. <laughs> for for Randy, uh, alternate universe, we could have had Brecken Meyer, who would have crushed it. Or I we could have had him. Oh. Or Seth Green, who also, <gasps> both of those would have been amazing. Am I going to cry? I might cry. I'm like, literally, I just got a tear. Oh, God. You're so cute. I have it for the so world bad. That you, that you will so never bad. know where Seth so Green bad. was Randy. <laughs> Seth Green. Seth Green is literally, I mean, obviously, okay, he's been one of my favorite actors most of my life. Like, you know, Can't Buy Me Love. He's the little brother. I was in love with him from like that point on because we were about the same age and just, I just remember being in love with him my whole life. So he would be perfect. He's also such a film nerd. That would be like exactly, it's like right. great casting. Like, and, and I don't want to. I don't want to uh, undermine any of the casting in this movie because I think no, the casting, the casting in this is movie perfect is, as well. It's is great, well, but, but he would also have been like I would. Ugh. Anyway, okay. I love him. Uh, other uh, for Billy, we also could have had uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh. Totally see that. Yep. For Sydney, okay. Here's a who. who here's a huge list. All rumored. Who knows? Uh, Molly Ringwald, mm-hmm. Melissa Joan Hart, Brittany oh, Murphy. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, Brittany uh, would have been great. Uh, Alicia Witt, I think she would have been really good. Yeah. Uh, Melanie Lewis. Alicia Witt is a Christmas. Alicia Witt is a Christmas queen. I have more Christmas movies of hers on DVD. She became a Hallmark Christmas queen later Did on she? in life. 
fuck ton of them. One of my favorite ones, Very Merry Mix-Up. Julia, Julie, Julie, you know what I'm talking about. My other Christmas movie friend, not you, yeah. Julia, but another Julie in my life who we are obsessed. Leisha Witt is a fucking amazing Christmas queen. Go on. Interesting. I didn't know mm-hmm. that about her. Okay. Yep. Uh, Melanie Linsky, uh, oh. which of course gets my vote because she will always get my vote 100% every time because she's a fucking genius, brilliant lady. Uh, or uh, Reese Witherspoon or Claire Danes. So oh, all good. Yeah, oh, those fine. are all the it girls of the of that era. Like that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I also have alternate universe directors for you, okay. so you can think about this movie directed by uh, mm-hmm. Robert Rodriguez, mm-hmm. Danny Boyle. Oh shit. Sam Raimi. Okay. Or George Romero. <gasps> oh. Yeah. So I think I, I just think got goosebumps I- for every one of them. I could see mm-hmm. like literally my brain made like a front like splash page for each one of them and like I could see the coloring would be different. Do you know what I mean? Like I could see yeah. each one of them setting the tone with their stamp on it. I'm glad we got Wes Craven because this is I love this series so much. But like, yeah, I get it. All of them would have been great. Uh, so, of course, we open on our favorite iconic Drew Barrymore uh, doing her her kind of psycho turn where you lure someone in with the big name and then you, you knock them off real quick. Uh, I watched this movie uh, pretty recently with uh, my friend David, who is uh, notoriously not a horror fan, and he wanted to watch Scream, and I was like, it's really scary, and he's like, I can do it, and we had to pause this opening sequence like four times. And he was like, is it going to get worse? And I'm like, yeah, it's going to get worse. And he's like, is it going to get really bad? I'm like, yeah. And he, he was like, it was real hard for him to get through this sequence. It gets entrails real quick is what yeah. I can say. Do you know what I mean though? Like that's the thing that like I love about this movie. It goes hard pretty, pretty swiftly and pretty quickly. Um, there's no, there's no messing around. Like, I mean, it's literally messing around, but the messing around is that it's going to get violent very, very quickly. And but um, that's what a, the opening sequence is meant to do, right? It's to show oh, you yeah. the level that we're playing at. Like we're going to 10. We're going to show you where we're going to go. So you know where the, where this train is going. We're going to end up there and we're going to go harder than what you just saw. So mm-hmm. you better tuck in, get ready for the movie. It's like when they show you the ending at the beginning and, and a lot of great horror movies. Right. And I love Drew so much. She's like, it's perfect 90s Drew with her cute little bob, her perfect little bow mouth. Like she's just the most adorable little thing. Little never been kissed lady. I love mm-hmm. her so much. Yeah. And she does such a you know good job of being real cute at first. And she just she seems like the flirty, nice girl yeah. who would be, you know, pleasant to somebody who was you know, essentially prank, prank calling her, right? Yeah. So they start out, you know, it's a it's wrong number, but then they start talking. He talks to asks she can hear uh, she's making popcorn and jiffy pop and so ask what she's doing. She talks about watching scary movies and loves uh Halloween is her favorite. Uh but then uh yeah, then things take a turn. Because and it becomes a dangerous game, as we all know, very dangerous game of trivia, but it's not just any type of trivia. It's basically if you get the answer wrong, somebody die. So mm-hmm. not a good, not a good game. It's a little, little roulette, right? Trivia roulette here. And so, um, and then they realize the killer is right outside because they're talking to her about what she's doing and describing what she's doing. And so she realizes she's being watched this whole time as well. Her parents mm-hmm. are not home and her boyfriend hasn't quite showed up yet. So um, she is all alone in the house. Yeah, so uh, she's she uh, now knows that Steve is 
there. Uh, he is Her tied boyfriend. up, mm-hmm. is tied up and uh, in the backyard, looking bloody and beat up. And so the the first question they gave her the warm up question of of who is the killer of Michael Myers, and and Drew does such a good good job of like she's so panicked her brain's not working even though it's such an easy question uh and then tricks her with the friday the 13th question asks who is the killer on friday the 13th and she says jason and of course it's mrs Voorhees. so now uh they're going to kill in the first steve. one it's not in the jason first one until later mm-hmm. yeah uh so they kill steve real bad lots of entrails i know they i know a lot of uh the, a lot of the rating depended on this specific sequence of how much entrails we could see and there was uh so it's still it's still it's still bad um he does ask i like you know when you the more you watch this movie of course the more you you realize how tricky they you know the killers are of of being in different places at different times and being prepared for because he asks oh, what door am i at right there's the front door and the back door but you know they're at both doors so she, either way she went she it was like there's no way there's no right answer they are mm-hmm. they, they set up this game where no one's gonna win and mm-hmm. so, um, you know, obviously, I guess, spoiler alerts, guys, if you haven't seen Scream yet, watch it already again. Um, but yeah, there are two killers. So like, as you talked about, there's no right answer because like, no. they can trick you. Yeah, so. they are at they are at both both doors. So mm-hmm. she uh, nearly gets away. We see her parents driving down the road. Uh, and her this first stab of her is it hurts my heart like hurts every time it looks so good. It looks so real. And it's so terrible. This death scene's really heartbreaking and of course like mom's right there uh and you know she's almost safety and uh her mom they pick up the phone they can they can hear her through the phone and uh she does pull the mask off to see who it is so she does get to know who's killing her before she dies yeah but that's consolation prize i don't know it's still pretty awful so um and this is the thing the age of the landline too where this is like the the trickery of the phone and all that kind of good stuff as well that um it's just different i think hits different now um and dad does tell mom to drive down to the mckenzie's which is the same thing that jamie lee curtis says in uh at Halloween to the kids is to go to the Mackenzie's. Uh, so, haha, we see you there. Uh, so, we meet our heroine, our our Miss Sydney Prescott, who is her dad going away for the weekend. Gonna yeah. be alone. She's gonna be alone in the house, but it's also feels a little dubious because right before we meet dad, we actually meet her boyfriend, uh, Billy, who climbs through the window in a very strange fashion. We get the a very to- Nightmare on Elm Street Johnny Depp kind of fashion. You mean kind of like, like like styled exactly like him? Like mm-hmm. his hair he even kind of looks like him in that moment. A hundred percent. I mean, he's kind of like a Walmart version of Johnny Depp, right? Sorry, Skeet Ulrich, but it's true. I think he's. Oh my god. Okay, whatever. I find him incredibly hot. And really, whatever. he just looks oh. so sleazy. <sighs> okay, Julia. Mm-hmm. Problem We've is, been doing this show for a while. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, yeah, yeah. And the problem with that is, like, he's okay. a little sleazy. I love him. Um, anyway, so he crawls through the window. Um, he straight up, all of a sudden, I was like watching this and taking notes. You know, for this podcast is different than watching it for comfort. Like I normally just throw this thing on. Um, and so I was like, oh shit. He literally is giving her full alibi. He's like, I was at home watching a movie. He's like telling her all the things that he thinks she needs to hear so that he's giving himself a full alibi for the night. So that's going to be his story, right? Because obviously he was one of the guys terrorizing her already. Yeah, because 
Same, because mm-hmm. Stu says later, oh, he was with Tatum that night, right? So, like, they both respectively went off to, like, the girlfriend's house specifically for this reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says he was watching The Exorcist and thought of her, uh, which she, I would like to hear that. She probably doesn't want to hear that, uh, but nope. says it was because he was watching for TV and all the good parts were cut out. Uh, and so he's just hoping to get Laid. a little bit lucky laid so he's very he comes up giving like a horny pitch and like is like basically we've been doing made for tv scenes instead of doing full you know the full r nc-17 i miss our old relationship something happened a year ago um and we find out a little bit later her mom was brutally murdered and um she's not quite ever recovered from that so she i think went through a time where she shut down which does happen you know when you go through traumatic things sometimes people's you know um comfort with intimacy does change uh, through some a traumatic event like that. So she's definitely going through that still, but he seems to still be pushing her, but not super helpful about it and not kind about it. He's really shitty. Um, this is a yeah. really, really bad boyfriend move of like trying to push her. I was like, she needs help. Like, dude, like she's a therapist. She needs like to really work through this stuff, sure, not have but- you just jump on her. No. And he doesn't really, it, everything he does in this movie is about him. Right. It's uh, this entire time. And so I think he never really thinks about Sydney anyway. And it is really about setting up an alibi more than it is about anything else. Um, so we get to school the next day at Woodsboro High School. It is a media circus and the cops are interviewing all students to see if they know anything about the death of Casey and Steve. Uh, and then we meet the gang the Scooby gang, as it were. So we have uh, the two couples. We have uh, Billy and Sydney and Tatum and Stu. And then we have Randy. Uh, this was my introduction to Matthew Lillard. And I, the thing with Matthew Lillard is he, he changed the game for me in which he set performances at a level that most people can't reach. And I'm angry when they can't reach that level. Where I'm like, you should be at Matthew Lillard intensity. Like, I want to see that commitment to your performance. And if I don't get it, then I'm a little disappointed. I do that with like everybody. It's like that. Like, it's like one of those performances where I'm like, I just, you're giving me everything. All of it. He fires on all cylinders. He's a very committed performer and is wild as fuck and also super, super nice. Um, I remember meeting him, like, I think right after this movie. Um, came out. I didn't see it then. I didn't see it till after I was in college, but he is phenomenal. And what is your heart? And yeah, yeah, but he was for me, he was she's all that. That was like, okay, give it to but me, baby. Is- Dance sequence. Yes. Again, firing like, again, in that movie too, sure. also just like off the charts. Right. Like, or you look at him doing? at Hackers or like whatever you want to look at, right? Hackers, it's this kind of, yes. and I think that he feels like a, you know, very spontaneous, even when he's not, even if it's just scripted. Um, but of course, we can't talk about him without mentioning SLC Punk, which, if you have not seen, is his masterpiece, and he has his performance in that movie is serial mom. I mean, like everything. He, he's he's all he's, he's he's great. So uh, we have this very, you know, and this is so fun, as we said, watching it back, this very fun conversation about what happened with the killers and what, and Stu and Billy dancing around each other because they know things that people don't. Um, but the thing that I noticed this time that I was interesting is that uh, Billy, uh, someone, Stu says, I didn't kill anybody. Billy says pointedly, nobody said you did. So that would make me think that Billy would kill Steve and Casey, which wouldn't make sense because the whole thing with Stu was getting back at Casey, right, for dumping him. So right. wouldn't it be Stu killing her? That's why she pulls the mask off and there's like recognition. That was always my thought. I think you're right. 
Um, and also I didn't realize too that literally Randy figures it out right away. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's why he has to die. I was like, he literally is the first person who figures it out, even in that moment when they're in the quad, like mm -hmm. hanging out, talking about it after they've all been questioned by the principal and the police. I was like, oh, he already knows. That's why he's about to die. Cause he literally mm -hmm. told the killers, like, it's you guys. Like, I know it's like, I know this is, this is like, this is why this is the motive. He already figures it out so fast. It's not because he figures out because he's this is partly why is because he's watched all the movies. He can figure out right. the case, but because he already knows that's the reason he has to die is because he's the the best uh, mind. <laughs> See, and this is interesting because, you know, Marianne and I had talked about this a lot about Randy and about Radish from uh, Final Exam, which is this, you know, living in this kind of state of, of near paranoia at all times, right? Because anybody could be, you know, and I feel like I live in that state more now where I look at things from more of a horror point of view and, you know, looking for ways out or weapons or whatever. But the thing is that I've learned in watching as many horror movies as I have is that watching lots and lots of horror movies never saves you. In fact, will actually probably lead further to your death. So I don't know what to do with that information. Oh no! Sorry, guys. This is the end of horror movie survival. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> a creepy uncle and a cute boy killer have come to take us away, and you will never see us again. Oh, um, sorry, I got in the car. Um, yeah. So, anyways, yeah, no, it 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 is hard. Um, knowledge is power, but also, you know, to whom much is given, much is required, right? And so, it's just like you have to be careful with it, and maybe just be careful. Who knows? What you know, like maybe don't spill out your theory. Maybe you go to the police or. But Randy's such a loudmouth, and he's you know, and and it, and he doesn't. He we know he figured it out, right? But like he doesn't. He doesn't know that he's really, right, right? Like he's yeah. saying it in a snarky "I'm a horror movie" kind of way, not and I really think you did it" kind of way, but he did. He nailed it. Right, right nailed it right in the head. So yeah. uh, Sydney is home waiting. She is going to go hang out with Tatum for the weekend or Tatum's coming over to hang out with her because her dad's gone. She doesn't want to be alone because things are weird, but she is running late. So she gets a call. She thinks it's Randy at first with the voice changer and is playing with him, but we find out uh, it, it's not Randy because he starts asking about scary movies. Uh, and so she's like, well, you've given yourself away. Of course, nobody else would call me with that question. Like, yeah, it's of course, Randy. You're the only person you. who, yeah, who does that. And, and of mm -hmm. course, we get the, you know, the start of the, you know, this movie started that kind of wave of, of, of for better or for worse, of the meta, you know, horror movie. So she says about horror movies, they're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big breasted girl who can't act, who's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. And about a minute later in this scene, she goes running up the stairs. So they like, it's very, very clever. And the thing is, is there's... I love that it did this and it, you know, opened a world to have characters know the world they are in and the different kind of movies that they're, they're referencing, but it also, so many copy carbon copies of it did it so poorly that it turned into a whole different other thing that you couldn't get away from that. Now I was like, I think it's turning back around to kind of get away from that again, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think there's the shift I think recently too was like the Jordan Peele of it all, like where everything mm -hmm. there was like a lot of really bad like get outs kind of after get out. Like, of course, the woke, the woke. Um, not that I'm knocking on woke shit, but it was just bad versions of it. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. were just like where it was just overly pedantic or did they just didn't have the same type of, you know, threading of the needle that I think Jordan does in his work. Um, that just wasn't present in some of the copycat pieces. So I totally feel that. And I feel like that's kind of shifting and we're seeing some, still some bad stuff come out kind of of that vein, trying right. to do that as well. Cause they're all trying to, you know, capitalize on that success, but that's the greatest form of flattery, right? Like everyone, 
you know, all of a sudden it's like, you know, you have these things that change genre and all of a sudden everybody wants it. Like yeah. somebody posted this really great uh, thread the other day of the Italian version of like Star Wars, basically, that I've never mm -hmm. seen. But the pictures are like so funny and so great. I was like, oh, that's clearly their version of Star Wars that they fully ripped off. Yeah. And so it's just like people are going to do it whenever something's really, truly successful. So, yes, um, buck it up and it, change the and genre. It, sure. But, and but with even mm -hmm. within this own series, right, is they have to keep dealing with the meta-ness of their own series and how much further can they get in that world. Um I like the so, new one. I know, I know you're I, I like the new the was, new one. I I enjoyed it. I love the scene. It was so meta the scene with um Courtney Cox, the Dewey Cox of it all. I love that. Um yes. you know well, I, I guess I just feel like for me this I I think this movie is a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. And I could leave all the rest of them. I don't uh, really care about any of the other ones. Their okay. Scream 2 is is fine, but I don't this movie's I don't want to go from genius to fine, right? It's like I guess I have just as much fun throwing on my popcorn, but maybe if I dissect them, it might be another another I, another but go. It's, just, it's this it's it's this was such a mind blower that you can't really go further than that, I guess. And every single one has just been like a slightly watered down version of the same thing. So uh, Sydney, she uh, she gets the phone call talking on the phone to the killer who is uh, voiced, by the way, we should mention uh, oh, yeah. by uh, Roger Jackson, who was actually talking to all of the actresses during this scene, which the scenes, which I think is great. Um, and she says he's at her front door and she says she calls his bluff and walks out the front door. And like the ballsiness of that, you're like, whoa, man, I even I would not. I would not. I was like, what, bitch? I like literally yelled at the TV. I was like, I forgot she does that like so boldly um, after she even says, you know, like, oh, what, blah, blah, blah. Like, and I just I that was pretty ballsy of her. I would look outside, but I wouldn't walk outside. Uh, but she does. And so she but when she comes back in, he's hiding in the closet. I'm not clear if they he'd been. I'm not sure which one it is at this point, but I'm not sure if they'd been in the closet that whole time she was home or just snuck in when she went out on the front porch. Um, I would assume they'd been there the whole time because then you'd have to gamble that she would go out on the front porch was unlikely. Right. Uh, this is the fun with having two killers of trying to figure out who's doing what at what time. And I'm, I'm right? sure I could go online and find like people have broken it I'm down. Sure, I'm, sure. I'm sure. I'm sure that's on like Reddit somewhere and like some like full, fully, fully mapped out for us. Um, uh, I remember in 1996, they, he, he changes her up the stairs to, and she said, she has the, whenever I see a room like this, I'm like, oh, it's a Sydney Prescott door where they have the doors that hit each other uh -huh. where you can't open, uh, uh -huh. which happens sometimes whenever I'm like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's also a handy tool. This is the first time I'd ever seen anybody call 911 online. Yeah, I didn't know that you computer. could do that. And I was, I was like, like, oh, oh you could yeah. do that. Because it was dial up. Yeah. It was all a phone. Like it wasn't not connected to a phone ever like during that era. So I was like, oh, yeah, dial up. You get, would absolutely make that call from the from the computer. And I was like, I remember them making a point of them showing her on the computer at the very beginning of the movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, good job, because I know that she's going to use that in just a moment too. brilliant, yeah. brilliant mm -hmm. tech, 90s technology for the win. So all of a sudden, uh, the, the struggling at the door stops, and then Billy is climbing in through her window. Uh, and so at first she runs to him because she thinks that he's you know come to save her. But then a phone, cellular phone, falls out of his pocket, and she is immediately suspicious. Um, again, this is 1996, so cellular phones not popular. Having one would be 
uh, unlikely. This uh, is a, this is like a transitional era because some people still had pagers during this this particular moment right now, and some people had phones. But that phone also is like her dad is one of those people who would have a phone like that. Like certain type of people like would businessmen, have businessmen, like, doctors, businessmen. Like that kind of mm-hmm. But we haven't gotten to the like high school kid kind of thing yet. Not ubiquitous so, yet. Yeah. So she immediately thinks it's him and he gets arrested. And so she's like not fucking around. Uh, and it, cause it looks pretty damning, doesn't it? Yeah. It looks like he ran down the stairs and ran outside and climbed through her window. Um, and, you know, he tries to like have all his alibi airtight and all that stuff, too. So he Billy Loomis gets arrested. So it's, you know, a big thing because he's that kind of kid. They're like, oh, that Loomis kid. He's probably kind of bad. He looks kind of bad. He does look yeah. kind of bad, um, like a bad boy. Um, so um, the cops also find the mask um, as well. So the mask has been dropped. So, so is this was this Stu and Billy's plan for him to be arrested? Yes. So that they could do the alibi so that they would he would get off because the phone call was made? Because they would have the, have the phone call. I think so. Okay. I think so. Or maybe they had it as part of the like if this like contingency plan. Right. Do you know what I mean, though? Like to keep it airtight. It's like, OK, this is what you do if you get arrested since there's two of them. Easy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, so they've tried to find her dad, but he's not registered at the hotel. He said he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to hold Billy until they get the phone records to make sure they came from the fall. Uh, the the His phone. Uh, I'd like to also mention they, they, the, the, the name of the, the costume is Father Death. Yes. So. Not not the scream costume as it is to known today, right? But that it's was ghost just in, face or in ghost movie. face now. Yeah. Ghost face. Yeah. It's um, it's weird. It's like, you know, Romero calling them ghouls and everyone's like, No, no, they're zombies. This is like it's father death. Like, no, no, it's ghost face. We say. Fans well, say Well, I mean, we do get it later because well not just fans, because Tatum calls him ghost face later on as she's getting her mm-hmm. comeuppance later on in the movie. So she she's the one I was like, Oh, that's where the name comes, really. Um, so Billy's dad um, didn't know he went out the night and they find out as he's getting questioned by the police. Um, so some little cracks in the story are, are up there. He's like, oh, I didn't know you were out, son. Uh, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I uh, went over to my girlfriend's house. And he's like, oh, OK, well, that's questioning. So you can see the dad also starting to question if mm-hmm. Billy did it or not to his own father, um, even though he was very ready to fight for him. But that crack kind of changed his perspective right there, too. Um, and then the uh, news shows up. Freaking Courtney making mm-hmm. freaking Cox. Yes, and we have uh, Gail Weathers coming in in her ghastly suits, uh, and she is writing a tell-all <laughs> book. Oh, her okay. her costumes are awful. They're meant to be awful. I think they're so hot. I would wear all of them. <laughs> really? I think they're meant to look make her look like she's tasteless and gaudy. Like that's what she's they're like a newscaster news. looking for so much too much attention. Okay. Okay. No, I think it fits her character. I think they're very, they're, like, that makes sense to me. But okay, she thinks that's okay. We could disagree, disagree to disagree. Uh, but she is writing a book about how she thinks uh, the person that uh, Sid had fingered for her mother's murder, a guy named Cotton Weary, who will show up a bunch in the sequels, uh, Gail thinks that he didn't do it. So she wrote this book to say that Sidney's wrong. He didn't do it. He's an innocent man in prison. And there's uh, a killer still on the loose. Yes. And uh, Sid ends up punching Gail in the face, which uh, we all love to see. So she uh, goes back. She's going to sp- spend the night with Tata, Tatum at her house. And when she is there, they get a phone call from the voice. Yeah. And so- Tatum's brother is Dewey, Officer <laughs> Officer Dewey. So he's also at the house. So it's a full house. Um, yeah. And they do, they do give you a moment here where, because they're really giving you, you know, the, we said that the, uh, Randy says this later in the movie is everyone's a suspect. 
And they really do give you a little thing for kind of everyone. Like the sheriff's boots are the same boots. And like Dewey only comes to answer the phone after the person on the phone is already hung up. So like he could have done it from his room. So they're giving you a little thing for you really to suspect everyone, which I think is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, they do. They do kind of give you that that little off kilterness. Um, and so they really still think that, you know, that maybe, you know, her mom's killer is not so trying to, the one who is out there still, too. So now Sydney starts to question everything for herself, too. She's like, um, OK, if that's the case. Like, who knows what's true anymore? And it's been a year. We're coming up on the anniversary. And sometimes killers, when shit happens, when it's the anniversary, they'll try to do another kill or shit goes wrong again. So there's a lot going on emotionally for her during this time, too. And so we get to a moment where Billy's in school and he confronts Sydney and he has a really fucked up way of trying to tell her, like, it's been a year. Like, we should be, like, basically hooking up again. And she's like, I literally have this traumatized life. And you are not respecting any of my boundaries. Like basically like get the fuck away from me, dude. It's really, yeah, really bad. Cause she almost got killed the night before and he was like kind of shrugging off and, and, but he's, it's kind of making it kind of seem like she owes it to him because he got her, got him arrested. And now like, you know, you cause problems. There's something like that. Uh, so they end up having a scene in the bathroom. She overhears some girls saying some very nasty things about her mother uh, and her as this well. Slut, just like her mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Uh, <laughs> so we have a we also have a, a little scene in the bathroom where the killer is there and she does a little slidey slide. I'm assuming that's Billy, right? Because he's the only one who knows that she just he went was, in the bathroom. Yeah, and he was just right there, so it has to be right. So he just has a like a costume in his it's in his locker. Locker. Yeah, because a bunch of the kids also because it's kind of a thing now. A bunch of the kids at school have been doing that like as bad pranks as well too. So the principal had just like expels these a couple of kids right before so he could have even grabbed it from them too um for having these masks and stuff like that in the school so it's not just him who's doing it at this point it reminds me of uh terrifier 2 where now you're like the kids are dressing up like the killer yeah and so shout out terrifier 2 hell yeah we love you damien um (laughs) it's all for you damien um (laughs) and so yeah it's it's hard to know who's who's who anymore because other people are imitating so uh, classes get suspended. They get a curfew on the town. Uh, but Stu is not going to let that shut him down because he's ready for a party at his house. Uh, so party at Stu's. Uh, why not? So Mr. Himbury, who we had just seen snapping some scissors Henry in a red Winkler. hair type fashion. Harry Winkley. Uh, we do get a Freddy Cougar janitor cameo, which is delightful. Uh, we And Mr. Himbury unfortunately reaches an untimely death with the an umbrella. Uh, but there's the shot of him the mask reflected in his eye that is yeah. incredibly beautiful. I'm not a hundred percent clear why they kill Mr. Hembry. I don't, he doesn't seem like he's on their trail or anything like that. Um, it just seems to be, why not? I think they are trying to give the kids a reason for him to, the kid, some of them to come back later because remember they're going to string him up um, on the football field and they need a reason oh, for so all, like those, the all the kids to leave the party is to go back to the school for that. They need, they need a body at the school. So he happens to be the last man standing there. So they're going to, they take him out. Um, I think also because I think he didn't get it, but he was also suspicious of Billy at the beginning as well too. And was mm-hmm. suspicious of the kids. Um, I think towards the beginning, I think he, he didn't seem like he was fully on their trail, but he was getting there. 
So we have the infamous uh, and uh, very delightful video store sequence between Jamie Kennedy and Matthew Lillard, which is they're just together our dream team of delightful fun. Uh, And Randy's going through and giving his theories and his theories are all fucking sound and he has thought it through. uh, And he says, everyone's a suspect. He said, motives are incidental. And he's like, you know, it's scarier when there isn't a motive. And he's right because (laughs) if you're just psycho for no reason, that's kind of the scariest thing. That's why they killed the principal then, you know? Yeah. Maybe it is. Motives are incidental, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we find out that the calls that have been coming from Sydney's dad's phone, which is a little monkey in the wrench. So what is going on there? So let's go to a party at Stu's sweet, sweet house. Yeah, so Officer Dewey shows up and all of a sudden Gail is right there weaseling her way in and she has found her way in because... He is the right demographic for her particular audience uh, that find her very, very hot. Um, And so she knows how to work him. And so she um, gets herself invited into the house with with Officer Dewey. Um, But she happens to bring a tape recorder with her because she is always looking for the extra scoop um, that she's going to stash and hide in the living room where all the kids are hanging out and watching movies. Um, Like a little, like a smart little, uh, it's on a delay though. So they are getting a feed of this video but it's a 30 second delay so that's going to be important later so we have all the kids there riling around deciding what horror movie to watch which one uh and but nobody knows the rules so randy's got to give them the rules uh which is you know you can never have sex you can never drink or do drugs you can never say we're right back like all of these things that of course you know we're part of already doing yeah. Right, horror movie survival guide tips. Right, these are, this is the OG. This is where it, it it kind of comes from. So Tatum is asked by Stu to go out to get some beers in the garage, and uh, this one also perplexes me because I'm like, if Stu wants to kill Tatum, why do it at a party where your chances of being caught are so high? Right, it seems like such caught, a risk. But take. everyone's also distracted. They're drunk because yeah. they're drinking. He's getting having her her help them get more drunk, ostensibly. Um, and because there's noise, it's covering up the sound. It's like the New Year's Evil, right? Where you do it at midnight, right. where there's a bunch of sound and sure. a bunch of chaos. If you do it in the midst of chaos, then you can also blame it on other people. Because now there's, instead of one suspect, there's 20. So... I- I guess so, but I guess I, th- I feel like you see Casey's house and you see Sydney's house, and they're both pretty rural, right? They're both like they're not nothing else around where they are. Like f- killing someone somewhere like that seems like so much. Uh, that being said, the sequence is cool. Tatum puts up a very good fight, throws some beer bottles at him, uh, but unfortunately, in a very creative death, uh, gets her head smushed in a garage doggy door. But this is also where she's uh, where she's like, don't kill me. I want to be in the sequel where she thinks it's Randy playing a game and mm-hmm. she calls him Mr. Ghostface. And that's where we get our Ghostface killer right there, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's all it's all one big movie, right, Terry? Yeah, it's all one big movie. Life is a movie. So Billy and Sid talk about movies and life being a movie. Right. And so she's like, I would like to make mine a Meg Ryan movie. This sucks. Like, I do not like being stuck in this. And, you know, Billy's like, well, you don't get to pick your genre, you know, what film you're going to be in. I'm so sorry. You know, this is your horror um, that you're in. And they, uh, he says, it's more like kind of like Silence of the Lambs. And she's like, no, 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 this is real life. This is my real fucking life. This is not a movie. Um, And they decide to hook up in the midst of all this mayhem. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. what's happening. So So, yeah, she loses her virginity. Rules of virginity in Stu's parents' bed, which to me is pretty gross. Uh, it happens. I, 
I mean, the party, losing it at a party is what it is. But like, at, I don't ever want to have sex in some of my friend's parents' bed. Nice. Um, so yeah, the people, everyone downstairs watching Halloween. Uh, and Ryan, Randy, of course, is 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 be in his element, right? This is. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, Dewey and Gail are off to find. And they're just looking for whatever, see if anything's amiss. They find an abandoned car. Find Mr. They- Prescott's car, not just any car. It's Mr. Mm-hmm. Prescott's. And Dewey knows that. So um, he's like, okay, this is already not great. So that gives them some uh, motive right there. Because it's like if, if Mr. Prescott never made it to his destination and he was dropped right here, that could also feed into Gail's theory that someone else had set somebody up, right? And so um, – yeah, it's not it's not great. And so right after Billy and Sid hook up, he gets stabbed by Ghostface Killer right in front of her face. So literally, she's just like, "Well, first yeah. he she she realized she asks him about the phone call, yeah. right from jail. She's like, it could have been you. She still thinks it's possibly him. Uh, she do does use Stu's mom's hairbrush after the sex as well." Also very odd, but yes, gets gets stabbed. She and looks like he gets killed by Ghostface, and so now it's a, it's on the run. But the kids, most of the kids, left the party because of Mister Hembry being strung up at school. Yeah, so they all run. So she's you know freaking out in the house. She's, less people are there now because a bunch of those kids have run to the school. Um, Sid now finds Tatum downstairs, like in the midst of all this like mayhem. It's like, oh my god, her best friend is dead. Um, and then, um, Randy, um, you know, is watching, of course, still watching the movie. Look behind you, look behind you, iconically yelling at, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis to look behind her for the killer. And there's literally a killer behind him, but thank Mm -hmm. God he's being recorded. Um, because the little camera is watching him this whole time out in the news van. Um, and then, but the news van is on a 30 second delay. So, um, Sid and the camera guy, the news guy try to run in and go help Randy, um, but like it's because there's that delay, they get uh, uh, met right away with the killer. Um, and so they have a little chase out around the van. Um, camera guy does not make it. Um, but Sid runs and she finds Dewey. Um, and it, it's not going well for him either. He falls and, you know, the, the, he's been it, stabbed in the back. Yeah. Looks like he's been stabbed in the spine. Yeah. It's um, not good for I, him. Mm mm. And so uh, she, there's a sequence where she's in a car, and there, which door is the, the police killer jeep. at? Yeah, it's a cop yeah. jeep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she gets um, so so it ends up where she's going back into the house, and both Stu and Randy are coming, and each one says the other one is the killer, and they both look kind of wounded, and which one is telling the, the truth? She doesn't uh, know. She doesn't know. So she says, "Fuck you both," and shuts the door. And uh, is in that moment probably a good choice. Even though later, if one of them lives and you're going to be friends with them, they would also remember that for the rest of their lives. Yeah, but I think they couldn't begrudge you that because it's like you don't know who's who is what and they're both still fighting. So she just leaves them outside to fight um, because it's something Randy would have you know played at before. And now, of course, it's all happening true. So she does feel like he's kind of responsible, I think, in that moment, too. So um, Billy is alive, though. She finds out and he falls on down the stairs right in front of her. Um, and she ends up giving Billy, handing Billy the gun that she had in her hand because um, she seems to trust him right now because she thought he was dead and had gotten stabbed by the killer. So since she saw that happen in front of her, she thinks he's okay. But we find out right away, he ain't. Nope. 
he's not. He opens the door right away, shoots Randy. Uh, Stu comes in and they reveal uh, that, you know, this very, very fun scene at the end. We find out that they also killed her mom. Um, and they but not say before he doesn't name check your favorite little psycho, uh, Anthony Perkins, psycho, uh, right there. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And then yeah. Perry's pig's blood. He's name checking a bunch of horror right at this moment, too, while he's doing the reveal. Go on. That's right. But don't blame horror movies. Uh, they just make killers more creative, right? Exactly. Uh, so they, they, we find out that the real motive that, that Billy has is because her mom was having an affair with his dad, and that made his mom leave. But from Stu's point of view, it looks like Stu didn't know that, even though I find it hard to believe that he would have kept that a secret the whole time. But for the case of this movie, he's just like, so he really thought there was no motive. But now he's like, oh, there you did have a motive. You just didn't share the motive with me. Mm-hmm. He did. And so, um, but in then this time he kind of had a motive because he was trying to go against his girlfriend, which is why he did that like stupid kill of her down there too. So it's mm-hmm. like they both kind of didn't really fully disclose because they were both just on like a psychotic tear, right? And so yeah. they confessed that they, you know, framed Cotton last year as well too. Um, so now we find out for real that he really wasn't the killer. And so Sydney is like, oh shit, like I really did send a guy to prison who shouldn't have gone to prison either. Um, and, and they're so, framing her dad mm-hmm. uh, who they, is there all tied up and bloody and they're going to plant up. all the evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, Gail comes on in, news Gail, in the midst of But not of before they stab, you, they stab each other. Uh, we do get a little stabby stab. Oh, uh, gotta have but, more stabbing. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people have the the you know the talk about the homoerotic uh, undertones of this movie, which I'm fine with. Um, but they uh-huh, that they uh, have to get their knives out with each other and just like yep. penetrate each other a little bit before the yeah, end. But, but they both, yeah. of course, get a little overzealous and and stab a little deeper than they should have. So this is uh, their plan is is flawed and but it's teenage boy plan. So what are you gonna yeah, do? They're with not that, cooking right? with full gas at this point, right? I mean, they're like, not don't stab there, like you. You can not, stab places that you're not like organs aren't there, right? Like stab an arm or like a leg yeah. or some other like part of the body. But they went for like literally if you go through that solar plexus area, the chances you're of you hitting something like that's actually necessary, pretty high, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why you get like your armor plate is over that part of your body, right? It's for mm-hmm. a reason. Um, so they hit in that area and they're kind of dying. They've 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 stabbed each other pretty good. And Stu's like, I'm not doing well. I'm going to a dark place. I uh, uh, <laughs> a little woozy, woozy here. And Matthew Littler just going for it. Just oh no, oh no. <laughs> um, uh, but Gail tries to shoot, but I think there's a safety on, and so it doesn't go exactly how she planned. And they are able to knock the gun out of her hand, and we have a full struggle. But they're not very good at it because they are so woozy. Um, and Randy pops up in this moment too. We get a little little Randy reprise. I'm happy I'm a virgin. Yeah. I survived is. right now. And then he's about to not. <laughs> yeah. So we get, you know, a whole chase and uh father's okay. Stu is dying. Billy's insane. Uh she stabs him with an umbrella, but then oh, he's gonna come back for a last scare, which of course he does. Um Stu gets killed with the TV, Billy comes back to life and and he gets shot in the forehead. So it is uh, a happy ending, if you will, with uh, with our have Randy and Sid and Gail as our final trio, all looking worse for the wear, but more or less orc okay. And we end with Gail's news report on the scene. Um, so, as I mentioned, I really like this movie, and the rest of the movies are whatever to me. Um, if the fact that they just kill Gail for Christ's sake, fucking kill the killer, 
I hate her. I, I know you're meant to hate her. That's part of her deal. Like it just, I, she's so annoyed. Just, I, mm, that's how I feel. Okay. Wow. All right. I love Gail. So there we Hi. are. I what, just what? like that, like, because she's just smart enough and just like enough because she's so hungry for like, obviously to make money off the story. But because she's just hungry enough, she's not missing details that other people are glossing over. She was the only one who insisted. Do you know what I mean? Though that, you know, Sydney, your story's not airtight. You think it is. And you're saying it. And that's what happens all the time. People fucking get accused. I think that's what it is. Wrongfully accused more often mm. than not because people are not in the right state when they're making those accusations. They're not thinking clearly. They also, the way she thought of her mom, she thought her mom was this like saint. And then finally she's like, I need to come to terms with who my mother really was. Shit like that happens all the time. There's too many yeah. people wrongfully in jail. And I just like that she fights against that. May not be for the right reasons, mm -hmm. but I like that she actually is still looking for some semblance of truth. And I like that she brings that to it instead of it just being like, oh, like, do you know what I mean? They're like, you know, going with whatever the flow. I love that she brings that to it. And I really love this character for that. So that's why I'm going to uh, fight for motherfucking Courtney Cox all okay. day. Okay. There was another alternate universe casting that I, 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 I missed, which was uh, – for for Gail was Janine Garofalo, which oh. I feel like I would have liked that so much better. Like the thought of Janine Garofalo and and David Arquette being together, I'm like that works. That's fucking adorable because she's off kilter and he's off kilter. I know that. I mean, obviously, I know you know Courtney Cox and David Arquette got married in real life, but I I think if you had given me a Janine Garofalo Gail Weathers from 1996, I think I would have enjoyed it much more. Oh, yeah. That's definitely a Julia Speed for sure. I, mm -hmm. I get that. I get that. So I could see that too. It'd be, I mean, script would be totally different. Um, you know, there'd be different different points and stuff like that about it. But um, I don't know. I'm not mad. I'm not mad that it happened. I like that it was a weird a weird matchup too because it's like she seems so out of like Arquette's like Dewey's League in this movie that I just kind of love that he was like, all right, I'm still going to shoot my shot. Like, all right. Mm -hmm. Like, and it still, you know, works out. So Cool. Everyone likes. Uh, he thinks everyone likes a man in uniform, right? He's got that deputy badge shining on his chest. He's adorable. I just love me some David Arquette too. So I, I get it. I get it. I would fall and, for that and, shit all day. And to, to, I think this is an unusual character for him to play. Completely. Kind of like a, right, like a super sweet kind of dippy. He doesn't play characters like that. I like that he went for that. I think it's it's adorable. Um, so Gore Factor, would you care to give me some? Oh my god, I'll give it to you. I'll gore you all day, baby. Um, one, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, a puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, a bathtub of blood. And five is run for the barf bag. Um, I don't know if you already knew, guys. If you start in the first five minutes with full entrails out, I think it's a five. What do you think? Yep. 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 I yep. think a five, run for the barf bag. For movie ratings, one, the five, chainsaws. One, if you're desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. And five, fantastic oracle i give this movie a five i think it is five five for terry's flashing me five oh, five five ding 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 all around five air horn yeah. it's a five Flags over here along. if you didn't already get i love this fucking movie i love this franchise i um unlike julia i love all of it i love the new ones i love it all i can't wait to see the new new as well with jenna ortega again um i love her she's wednesday i can't wait to see more of her i think she's somebody to look out for i love this next generation and I love this OG one. Thank you for giving it to us to create a whole universe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Wes Craven and, and Kevin. 
yeah, this movie is you can't really do much better. I think it does everything you want in the genre well, and it doesn't smart. Um, you know, the, as, as much as the meta-ness has changed horror movies, I think it also has made it much smarter, right? Because I think a lot of the early 80s stuff was kind of betting on people not really paying attention to details. And this one's like, no, we're going to pay attention to every detail and we're going to make it just as smart as our viewers, which I think was a smart thing to do. I still always uh, see new stuff or realize new little things every time I yeah. watch it. So mm-hmm. that's that's how you know it's cooking with gas as well. Oh, sure. So thank you for listening to Talking About Scream. We wanted to kick off the year with one of the coolest horror movies on the planet. And we hope that you agree. We would love to know what you think about Scream. What do you think about Gail Weathers? What do you think about the alternate universe casting? We need to know about all of those things. On our, You can find us on our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram. We will talk to you about that with glee. Absolutely. And if you want to know what we're covering next week, join the Patreon. They already know. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Yes, they get our our episodes uh, Fridays instead of Monday. So you could have it before the weekend like the cool kids. And they also know what we cover before you and the rest of y'all know so you can get your homework done. All right. Enjoy with us. Horror movie survival guiding. Tips. All the tips. Tips for the the years. Tips for the new year. Tips for life. Yeah. And this movie full of nothing but horror movie survival guide tips. So we say. The The one that started it all. Thank you so much, you guys. Have a great week. Have a good week. Thank you for listening. Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Ryan. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horror movie survival guide.